What's up then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Midge, alongside me, my co-host, the Keg. What's up, guys? How's it going? And joining us today for our off-season talk episode for the Kansas City Chiefs, we have Caleb and JP joining us from Chiefs Focus today. How are we doing today, gents? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Doing good, guys. Thanks for having us on. No problem at all. All good stuff. So, guys, just before we uh, begin, I'll let you, uh, one of you or both of you, uh, just sort of explain the Chiefs Focus page and obviously introduce yourselves to our listeners. Um, I'll just let you have the floor of that and uh, you you two go right ahead. Okay. Thank go you. Ahead, go oh. ahead, Caleb. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. So my name is Caleb. I am the one of the fat co-founders of Chiefs Focus. I started this account right after the Chiefs lost the playoff game to the Tennessee Titans where Mariota had that. He caught the touchdown pass to himself. I was at that game. It was frustrating. And I said, I will do something to change the attitude of Chiefs Kingdom. And I started this, like, this account along the way. And uh, I met JP actually through this account working with him and he helps us with the podcast. Awesome yeah. stuff. Awesome. Uh, definitely, guys. So what we'll do, uh, listeners, just for listening on that. So we'll definitely have all the Chiefs focus and Caleb and JP sort of everything social. So when we post this episode, we'll give you the links uh, to go and check them out. All good stuff. Uh, guys, so we'll get straight into it now. Obviously, Kansas City now, uh, obviously, you were you, obviously not now, but obviously coming into season, you were the reigning Super Bowl champs. You know, you, you know, you got that you know, it's been, what was it, 50-something years, something like mm-hmm. that, or bang on 50 years, you know, it was a long time waiting, you know, Mahomes becomes this super, you know, sensational superstar, um, and you guys were pretty much set up to be, you know, to do a, do a repeat for the first time, I think, if my stats are correct, probably since the Patriots, it's been a long time since someone's repeated um, back-to-back Super Bowl titles, and um, I mean, just a, just a sort of a little bit of a recap of the season. Obviously, Mahomes, Mahomes is just magic, you know, like no one's ever debating that. You know, he still had a decent year in terms of stats and everything. It was still the number one rated offense um, in terms of stats. You know, Travis Kelsey had an unbelievable year. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you picked right at the death of the, um, of the first round, uh, got some good production. It's just a shame he got a little bit injured come towards playoff time, but he seems to be a great fit for you all. You know, still and still sort of in that range of being a top ten sort of defense. You know, so there's there's a bit of few questions on there, but obviously they they do a good enough job. You got some cool and decent players on there. Um, obviously, you know, you you had a great playoff run. It it seemed fairly easy. I mean, obviously Cleveland caused you a little bit of a a sort of heart in mouth moment, but you know you got it done. So, but other than that, you know, you you completely annihilated um, Buffalo in the championship game. It didn't really seem too much of a contest in that one getting to the Super Bowl in Tampa and and unfortunately you faced a juggernaut um in Tampa Bay. Obviously we'll get to the um the offensive line issues a little bit a little bit later, um obviously starting the game. But obviously it, it's you know, as far as far as obviously it's, it's always hard to win a Super Bowl, you know, in whatever circumstance. And obviously this one wasn't as tight. I mean, you know, it was it was a bit of an you know, a little bit of a beating. It was um <clears throat> it just did not work out. Mahomes was running for his life. Um, and it's always just a brutal way to end the season. I mean, if I can get both your thoughts on that, I mean, obviously, it's obviously heartbreaking um, to lose in the Super Bowl, but I just didn't know how you guys felt, um, sort of a few more thoughts on the season. Well, I tell you, it, it it was painful. I mean, to watch us go 14-1, and one, you know, basically with all of our starters and do the things that we did throughout that season. And honestly, we had a decimated offensive line from week two on. 
we really did. And we were juggling guys in and out all season long. And then with the loss of Fisher in the playoffs, it very it was very evident what was going on. You know, I mean, we had all three third string guys in there. Uh, they really couldn't handle it. I mean, they just couldn't. It, there was not much we could say about it. And, and not to mention the fact that there were some drop passes that could have been made. Mahomes was injured, of course, but also he made some phenomenal plays that just weren't caught. I mean, it just it is what it is. Um, he wasn't mobile as nearly as much as he normally is. And uh, I have my own other thoughts about that game as well, but um, and things that went on during that game that shouldn't have. And I know Caleb knows how I feel about that. We talk about it on our own show all the time, and I'm sure he feels the same way. And other people have brought it up to us as well. And there's really not much you can do about it at this point. Everybody has faced it at one point or another over the last 20 years and 21 years, I guess you should say. So it's, you know, it's heartbreaking, but again, I'm not worried. It's the strangest thing in the last 50 years. We've struggled at one point or another, you know, where they had a great defense and then a so-so offense, or we had an amazing running game and no passing game and a decent defense, you know, it was always one thing or another. And then when we get into the playoffs in certain times during the nineties and through two thousands, you know, we would just go flat. I'm not worried anymore. You know, we've made some great offensive moves and some great free agency moves this, so far this year. And I, I'm really not concerned with us moving forward. You know, what about you, Caleb? Um, well, so what I thought just looking back at the season overall, it was kind of frustrating to see how it ended because you saw the Chiefs go through the entire season, beat team after team after team. And as JP said, they went 14-1 with their stars, which is exceptional. I mean, that's something on a level that we see maybe the Patriots have had in the past. But looking at it, I mean, they were breaking records. Mahomes was playing really well. But one thing, and JP and I have said on our podcast all the time, and JP can attest to this, <clears throat> is that the Chiefs were play, basically playing with a vanilla-like offensive playbook the entire year. They really didn't get to open that up until they played the Buffalo Bills, and that's when they kind of laid an onslaught. But, yeah, as JP said earlier, too, I'm not really worried. Yes, I was frustrated, but looking at this team with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the coach, and Brett Veach, the GM, I believe the Chiefs will be right back there next year because the way they have, are playing and they've been able to free up cash space, get some valuable free agents. I know people are frustrated because the Chiefs have not gone after big-name free agents. Theoretically, you, you cannot do that as a in order to make your team function because you're going to put yourself in cap hell. And if you put yourself in cap hell, and it's what Chiefs fans experienced in 2015 – to about 2017, yeah, 2015 to 2017. Yeah, 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 JP, yeah, 2018. It just shows how much it um, it's hard for your team to materialize and to grow. I believe the Chiefs will be right back there in a year from now. Yeah, I mean, do you see there being any sort of like hangover from the Super Bowl loss? I mean, as as Falcon fans, we've realized in the last three years, ever since that, we've just never recovered. You know, we we lost the Super Bowl and just we've you know, been winning four games a season since sort of things. So, I mean, do you think there will be any sort of, you know, hangover from that? I don't really think there's going to be a hangover per se. One thing I've noticed with the Chiefs is when they lose a game, Brett Veach makes that team better. When they lost the AFC Championship game to the Patriots with all those calls and, you know, every, everyone knows what happened. Brett Veach came in, turned that defense around, brought in Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, brought in other players, Sammy Watkins, and they came and they kicked butt and they went Super Bowl and won. I think he's going to do something similar moving forward. You know, the thing is with the Falcons, and I, you know, and a lot of teams have done it. I I've, I personally think the Falcons have 
this the the nucleus to be a great team. A lot of times what happens, and we've done it, the Chiefs have done it for years until now. A lot of the problem is is that and the Rams, take the Rams. Okay, they're a great example in 2000, what was it, 17 when they went to the Super Bowl. Yep. Okay, you you take a team and you put all of your eggs in one basket, you spend every dollar you have, and then you lose in the Super Bowl, or even if you win it for that matter, then you don't have the money to keep those guys. And then you have to just completely dismantle your team and you can never build that team back. And that's the one thing that we have within our organization with Veach is the fact, and our, our team as well. And I got to give it to our players is that they're willing to work with each other and work with the organization to be able to keep everybody together. And that's the one thing that makes a team is if you can get a group of young guys that are not only great at their positions, but are also willing to work with each other it makes a huge difference moving yeah. forward and it keeps everybody motivated and, and, and they are very, very good at keeping themselves motivated. If they lose, it just really, to be honest with you, it pisses them off and they want to get better. It just, it's, it, it is what it is. Uh, they've proven it time and time again since Mahomes has come in. And I think you guys are going to make some strides. I really do. I, I do believe the Falcons will make some strides. So holding number 55, 10 yard penalty. Yeah, I'll be fingers, fingers crossed as well. I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, like you say, I think you have you have done very well with the cap this year. Like, I mean, you've restructured a lot of players. I mean, next year, I don't think the situation's looking as sort of rosy cap-wise. You know, you haven't got an awful lot of money at the moment to sort of restructure, to sort it out next year. But this year, you've sort of managed to keep most of your guys. I mean, losing the two tackles, do you think that's going to be a massive loss? I know you brought in Fooney. He looks a great, you know, a great sign on that offensive line, but... Do you think that sort of the line's going to struggle a bit this year? I don't. I think it's going to be – I think we're going to see a vast improvement. And the reason right. I say that is because you had two 30-plus-year-old guys, number one, that were injured a lot versus a couple of guys that came in. One guy was retired for a year, and he's – I mean, honestly, the guy was out chopping wood in the middle of the field in a cabin living like, you know, a caveman and just doing whatever he could to keep himself in shape. Will Kyle Long, and then you got Thune that is just a beast in every way. And then we're also bringing back guys that, you know, we had uh, LDT that was out for a year because he is a doctor and he decided to go and help with COVID, which is very commendable. And, you know, with with bringing him back and the moves that Veach has made, I think we're going to actually see a huge difference in that offensive line. It's going to give Mahomes a lot more mobility. What do you think, Caleb? Uh, yeah, I agree with JP. The offensive line is going to look a lot better. And just looking at the moves, I know everyone was kind of freaking out that they the Chiefs decided to cut Schwartz and Fisher. As JP pointed earlier, they're both thirty in their thirties in, in football terms. That's kind of old age. Uh, Fisher has Achilles, so he's going to be out for this next season. And Mitchell Schwartz has a back injury. So when you combine that, it makes sense to cut those players because what you can do is bring them back possibly later. I think it's more a possibility with Fisher because of he, he, he knows the offense and everything. But looking at it in the cap situation, Brett Veach, he structured these contracts in a way to where they can move the money around. And that, especially with Patrick yeah. Mahomes' contract what, 10 years, $500 million, that can be moved around within these that 10-year period, be converted to signing bonuses, or be added just to structure-based bonuses. So the way Brett Veach has made contracts work for this team and how they were able to free up so much cash space very quickly is very smart and beyond um, 
but uh, beyond many years, because I haven't seen many GMs do stuff like that. I've noticed like they'll just like a Super Bowl team, they'll give all the money to the player then, and then that's how you kind of go. But Vici's been able to spread it around. Well, and if you look at what, and you know, you look at what John Dorsey did, and and I, I and I, and Caleb will tell you this. John Dorsey put us in Cap Hill, and anybody in the world, free world that knew anything about Kansas City during those five years will tell you that. When you sign players and you don't stagger the contracts correctly or you pay – like we had – at one point, we had two players that were $42 million of our cap space, two mm-hmm. players, out of a 53-man roster. Yeah. That's two players that were getting paid in one season $42 million. You can't do that. Actually, mm-hmm. three of them together – in fact, you, you got to consider – Justin Houston, Eric Berry, and Daniel Swanson were our three highest paid players. Okay, I mean, yeah. that's insane, number one. Nobody wanted our GM position. Nobody wanted to touch that deal. They looked at our – and all they saw was a rat's nest of hell. And they said, oh, God, no, we don't want this. And Brett Beach stepped in, and he said, I'll fix this in three months. And in three months, he had it fixed. And everybody was like, what the hell? And now we're watching other teams trying to mimic what he's doing and they're not having so much success with it. But it also, I attribute a lot of that to the players. You know, the players are willing to sign these contracts to stay with us. And and I gotta be honest, it feels great because this is the first time in my 30 plus years of being around the team up close that I remember players wanting to come and play with us. They're like, okay, yeah, Yeah. we'll come and play with you. You know, we'll take, you know, a half, half of our normal contract or we'll take a short deal. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Why wouldn't I, you know, I get to play with Mahomes and I get to go to the Super Bowl. and you know, who doesn't have a chance, you know, better chance than us right now to go to the Super Bowl, you know, legitimately go to the Super Bowl, I should say. And, you know, it's just kind of been a great thing, you know, since we've brought him in Veach, I should say. So he found yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it is what it is. He's the one that found him. So he was beating down doors when Mahomes was out there, you know, at Texas tech and he was going, you need to see this kid. And everybody was ignoring him. And he was a scout then for us and yeah. Dorsey and everybody was saying, okay, whatever. We'll look at him. We'll look at him. And he's kicking doors going, Hey man, look at this kid. He's a phenom. You don't understand what he's going to do. He is going to be the number one quarterback in the NFL and nobody's going to touch him. He's got an eye for talent, like no one's business. I mean, nobody can yeah. deny that. So. Cause I mean, a lot of people sort of thought he was a bit of a reach at 10, didn't they? At the time. I mean, when, when you picked him, it was sort of like, you know, a lot of people considered it a reach. Yeah. I mean, we went, we, we jumped 17 spots to get him. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I'll be, and Caleb will tell you, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, I don't know. When we actually decided to let go of Alex Smith, I said, I, I don't know if we're really ready for that. Um, mm. And I was not really excited about it. To be honest with you, I thought he needs one more year. And, and everybody just bashed me on Twitter for that after he played, you know, after he played. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, awesome. I, yeah. I honestly, I didn't believe he was ready. I thought, okay, this kid, yes, he looks fantastic in that last game of the season in 2017, two for 290 yards. Yeah, he didn't have a touchdown, but he looked freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't know if he was ready. But when he came out, 50 touchdowns, 5,097 mm-hmm. yards. You know, I mean, it was it was insane what he did. And I'm thinking, holy shit, this kid's ready for everything. There's nothing he can't handle, you know. 
So, I mean, I don't know, bro. It's, it's, it, we, we, we hit like a 50 year jackpot, I guess I should say, you know, yeah. waiting 50 years and I'm 51 years old, bro. And I was around that team, uh, back in the nineties with a lot of friends of mine, Derek Thomas, and a lot of those guys. And, and I'm telling you, we thought at, in 93, we were going to go, we had Joe Montana and, and everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was at that game and I cried. I cried like a schoolgirl when Joe Montana got knocked out. Because I thought, okay, this is it. You can hear it. It was like a, a balloon deflating. Every bit of breath came out of everybody during that Buffalo game. And I thought then, okay, this is it. We're probably not going to see a sniff of Super Bowl for a while. And we didn't. So. Yeah, I, mean, I think this, the 10-year contract is on, as what you say, it just attracts players. you got the stability there. You're going to have the best quarterback in the NFL for years to come. And you know, everyone wants to sign for you and you can yeah. get them cheaper because of that. Yeah. No, no, no. All I was going to say was like, all I was going to say is hindsight's a beautiful thing. So they, obviously, like you say, you say, oh, you got bashed on Twitter. No disrespect. If I don't think, all right, obviously, apart from Vichu, who obviously drafted him, was like, this kid's going to be a star. Like, trust me on it. Like, no one in, even in the draft community, let's be honest, was like, oh yeah, this kid's going to be the next the face of the NFL, which is effectively what he is, other than, you know, say Tom Brady, you know, let's be honest, like, now he words. is in terms of well, you, the you one, one thing I've heard from the draft day is that the Saints were interested in him and then also the 49ers. Yeah. So that's one thing I saw. I don't know how true that is, but that's why I was, the Chiefs jumped ahead basically the Saints. So, I mean, but it's they got a from it. It's 100% true. They were definitely interested in him. And I actually, I know Chicago had some interest in him as well, um, but they were all about Trubinsky, and you see how that turned out. So, I mean. I mean, if you, now you said that, I mean, obviously, for, for the burden of people that know that we do not like the Saints, thank fuck you jumped up ahead of them. <laughs> I don't think I could live it. I don't think I could live with myself with Drew Brees kicking our ass most of the time. And then fucking Patrick Mahomes comes in with Sean Payne yeah. as his fucking head coach. Like, oh, I right, know. Thank I know. God for that. <laughs> I know, brother. Believe me, I know. And that's how you know how we feel about Tom Brady. I mean, you know, yeah. I've, I've had my, and yeah. me and Kale talk about this on the show all the time. And, and, and it's, it's so blatantly obvious what goes on during this last 21 years it's ridiculous and caleb i'm gonna let you chime in on this as well because you know as well as i do what we've seen what everybody else that actually has uh, outside of stevie wonder and helen keller have seen exactly (laughs) what the hell he's done and what's gone on during this last two decades ac i'll just sum it up to this I've just noticed the calls are different. They let them play more, which is fine. But when you don't call it both ways, especially like an NFC championship game with the Packers where they were draped all over their running, the over, forgot who, but one of the wide receivers, they didn't call a call. But the guy barely touched, I don't forgot who it was. Chris the, Jones. Remember when Chris Jones was during that Yeah, deal? I mean, there, yeah, 2018 AC championship game, he swiped his arm and they called that rough in the passer but Brady didn't fall down. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else, but it just shows you they favor Brady in our opinion. Now, we don't know what you guys think, but that's something that consistent a lot of people are starting to think. But what I would say this and leave it with this, the Chiefs are coming and there's going to be more teams that are going to rise to the top. And pretty soon Tom Brady won't be in the NFL. No, I yeah. mean, he, he, he's probably got, you know, one or two years left anyway. But I mean, personally, I think where we're from the NFC and I, I haven't been following it for as long as, as you guys as well. You know, I've only been following for the last eight years. 
I, you know, I don't really notice anything in terms of it, but I, I know what you mean. And a, a lot of people do sort of agree with that opinion as well. So there might be something in it, but well, I'm sort of away from it. So they're the most fine team in the NFL for cheating since. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no matter how you look at it, I mean, if that tells you anything, I mean, they're, you know, the Patriots were the most, they got fined more than I think anybody combined in the NFL in the last two decades for cheating. So they got caught in 2019 for filming the Browns practice before the game. They lost a pick for this year for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So So for, I mean, for Christ's sake, Mm. if you can't see, and then during the Super Bowl, late flag, after late flag, and it was always it, this. I swear it mimicked the 2018 ASC championship game because we had a pick, and as soon as the pick came, you know, we picked Tom Brady off, a flag came out. Then we did it again in this, the, you know, with the, during the Super Bowl. But it's kind of strange to me that you have a, a referee in the Super Bowl that named her child after Tom Brady. Which is pretty yeah, sad yeah. in its own right. I mean, if that's not a conflict <laughs> yes. of interest, nothing is. I mean, you know, so I don't know. There's just things that have gone yeah. on, and I'll leave it at that. There's things that have gone on that is very blatant, and if people can't see it, they're they're blind. But it is what it is. Uh, you can't you can't change it. You just got to move up, move forward from there. So, and he's going to be gone soon. It is what it is. He's going to yeah. be gone yeah. soon. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, we've got to play him twice a year now anyway, so I'd much rather he'd stayed over in the AFC, to be fair. But, <laughs> you know, that's the case. Other than light tackle, obviously, you got rid of... Um, obviously, we just touched upon with Fisher and, um, and mm-hmm. Schwartz. Um, in terms of, like, in ter- talking on a free agency basis, I mean, uh, the one sort of thing I sort of picked up in terms of linebackers was... Um, uh, was a weird stat, actually, obviously. You had, you know, like I said, apart the, the secondary... Um, I, I might, you might have a different opinion because obviously you watch, you watch it a little bit more. Apart from Tyron Matthew, I mean, there, there was touch and go on some places in terms of the coverage. I mean, there was one sort of bad stat I saw on the linebackers part, which was mm-hmm. um, I think all the starting linebackers basically gave up like a, um, over 100 parcel rating in coverage. Now, obviously, Hitchens, um, you know what I mean, and some players that have played in the middle. I mean, do you see sort of the coverage as a concern, sort of secondary and the linebackers, or are you quite? Do you think basically on defensively, do you think there's going to be a few few changes there? I think there's going to be some changes. I'm not concerned. One thing I've noticed is that the Chiefs just drafted Willie Gay last year, and he can run, and yeah. he's fast, and that's important because in this game in day and age, it's a passing league, so you're going to need a running back that can kind of run around. You don't really need a bruiser. Right now, they have Dorno Daniel, who hasn't been able to play much, but he can come in passing situations. Anthony Hitchens, I think he could still possibly be there. I don't know how he's going to do maybe next year. Ben Neiman, he struggled. Um, he He's not a bad player, but there was times where some of the some of the moves he did were very questionable. And then I, one guy not many people realize, but Darius Harris, I think he played against you guys as Falcons. I think Willie Gay caught a fumble. He picked up and ran, and he played pretty good for the most part. So I'm not concerned, but what one thing I've noticed is Veach, every year he adds different pieces, and I think that linebacking core can rise to another level because, as you probably noticed, the Chiefs' run defense is not the best. They have struggled ever since they lost Derek Johnson, I think, in 2017, I believe. Yeah. No, 2016, yeah. 2017. 2016, yeah. Yeah, yeah, JP said, 2016. But other than that, I, they're getting pieces every single year. I think this next year, if they could sign maybe a good a guy in the draft or maybe someone's going to cut off of someone's 
um, out of camp. I think they have a chance, but I'm not really concerned. Yeah, it's going to be – I think you're going to see some changes, but I also know how Spags works, our defensive coordinator. Yeah. And his mindset – you know, everybody bitched and complained because we brought back Daniel Sorensen. Okay, he's a great example of what Spags can do for us. So when we had Bob Sutton as our de- defensive coordinator, he was absolutely horrid. He had about two to three schemes. Everybody read us after the first two or three games. And his bend don't break – mentality sucked and it did us no good um he said i don't care how many yards that you give him just don't don't you know don't don't let him in the end zone mm-hmm. well that doesn't get you anywhere when you're when your players are so exhausted and so beat down because you're allowing them to run up and down the field on you as hard as they did spags is daniel Sorensen was basically ostracized for three or four or five years really because they said he sucked, he was no good. He was, you know, it wasn't a matter of his ability; it was a matter of the system that he was in, and that's uh, that goes with any player in the NFL. You're in the NFL for a reason, okay? These guys just don't make it because they suck; they make it because they're good, and they're they have the ability to make it in someone's system, okay? It doesn't matter if it's ours, if it's yours, if it's anyone's system. Somebody's good; they're going to fit somewhere. Yeah, every once in a while, you're going to find somebody that just may not make it, okay? Or they may just not have fit within the right system and then kind of fell off the planet. But that's rare. Yeah, I mean, you don't get many chances, do you, to be fair? If you don't fit, like, in your first team and that, you don't get an awful lot of chances in the NFL. Exactly. And that's the problem is that that's a huge issue. And now you see teams that are actually, especially, and I I know I keep going back to Veach, but they – they see players that will fit within our system. And if, and our fans, believe me, dude, we listen to it. Caleb will tell you, I get four or 500 DMs a week bitching and complaining. Is why we didn't sign this. Every time free agency week comes up, dude, yeah. I get, I get so many DMs. It's insane. Why are, because it's a name. It's a name. It's always somebody's name. A name doesn't make a player. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, you can have the biggest name in the world means absolutely nothing if you can't fit within that system. If you're not going to work out well, why have you? Why pay somebody four years, $80 million at 33 years old if they are just came off an injury-prone season, if they're not going to be able to – if you can't trust them to finish the season, number one, or they may not fit within our system. Maybe they'll fit better in your system or the San Francisco system or anybody else's system, but they work very hard at finding the players that fit within our system. And Spags made Sorensen 10 times better than he ever was just because he utilized him in the way that he works best. And that's what he's done with everybody that we have on our defense right now. He lets them gel. And if you let them gel and they can adapt to what he has, believe me, they'll be again a top five, top 10 defense. It just is what it is. I'm not concerned with those guys. No, that's fair yeah, enough. I, mean, I think um, with Daniel Sorensen as well, just a quick t- quick touch upon that. I say Spagnola, like Daniel Sorensen, whenever I watch you guys play, I mean, normally it's come playoff time. I mean, I, I love the, um, I had to watch you guys against the Saints and that like made my day. Um, with a good win, obviously, this year. But, but, we enjoyed it too. Like, yes, that we did. Good, that, that was a good one. Like, you know, just, like great game, but like, yeah, obviously just getting the win on that one was even more perfect. But Daniel Sorensen just seems to be everywhere. Like Spagnola yeah. uses him like so well. Like every time I see him, he is flying everywhere. Like he yeah. he's whatever. Like on, on obviously on this scheme, obviously massively works for him. Spagnola's just 
like utilize his ability. Like we've literally, like you literally just talked about JP about how it can fit into a scheme. Like he is fuck, he is like everywhere. Like yeah. he's a t- he's he's a good tackler as well, you know. So I think in terms of a Chiefs fan, I think like you say, you bring that familiarity as well. Like you know, don't fix what's not broke. Daniel Sorensen wasn't a massive problem, you know, in terms of that front, you know, obviously on the back end and obviously where they use him. So it just makes sense, really. I think with players like that, they're always worth bringing back. And you're right. I mean, it it, it all depends on a lot of it has to do with the coaching staff, but it also has to do with again a player fitting within that system and the players that. Veach has brought in Caleb has touched on this so many times during the last over the years that we've worked together with Chiefs Focus and the podcast and everything else. And I have too that you you can do so much with the player, but if you don't have the ability as a coach to put that player in the right position, then you shouldn't be a coach. I mean it's that simple. We had Justin Houston, which is arguably one of the best to play the game out chasing wide receivers down the middle of the field. We had Anthony Hitchens chasing down Amari Cooper. That should what not the, happen. That should not the, happen. Seriously. Fuck, I mean, seriously, what the fuck do you have? Anthony Hitchens chasing Amari Cooper downfield 45 yards. The guy can't catch himself, much less Amari Cooper. And you are and you got him chasing. I mean, it made no sense, but that was a Bob Sutton trait. He didn't know where to put play. He had him as rover. He had, everybody was a rover. Everybody was a rover. He didn't care. You know, he didn't have specific spots for players to play and didn't train them in those positions. He just put them wherever they wanted to be or wherever he wanted them to be. And a lot of players were frustrated because of that. And it ended up causing a lot of issues and a lot of turmoil within the defensive room, to be honest with you. And and all those players are gone now. It sucks. I love Justin Houston. And you never know what might happen with him this upcoming year. But you know, that's uh, to be seen. But regardless, it, it, it just is one of those things, man. I mean, you, you got to have the right coaching staff and you got to have the players that are able to learn from those coaches. Holding number 55, 10-yard penalty. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely so. I mean, another position I've seen, like, you sort of, a lot of your fans sort of after is sort of another wide receiver. I mean, obviously you are very good there anyway. I mean, you've got Tyree Hill and Kelsey who are just, I know Kel tight end, but he's, you know, they're exceptional receivers. But, I mean, do you see that as a need, another receiver? Um, I see that as a need, yes, because you can only do so much with Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins used to be there. And these other guys, you mm. have Byron Pringle and Marcus Robinson. The reason why I think you another receiver, and especially a deep threat, like a 6'2", 6'3", guy that can pinpoint the ball in the end zone because it stretches the field even more than what it was. Tyreek Hill can only stretch the field so far. Sammy Watkins, when he was with the Chiefs, could only do so much because he was injured. But when he was in, he played really well. Travis Kelsey eats underneath all the time. He can sometimes go over the top. It just shows you if you can just add another dynamic wide receiver or maybe bring someone off the practice squad. We have a couple guys who we think might be able to do something or even maybe trade for someone. There's a couple good wide receivers right now. Yeah. That could just help the team or maybe even draft. I mean, the Chiefs, they just got to keep staying ahead of these teams. You got to keep continuing to score. I mean, that's how you win in this game. You need a large yeah. wide receiver. I mean, and I, and I, and that's we Caleb and I talk about this all the time. The reason we're looking for a wide receiver, everybody assumes that it was because of Sammy Watkins or it was because of this. We're looking for a large wide receiver. It is what it is. We need somebody big that can go over the top of these CBs that has some speed you know, yeah, it'd be great to have a Calvin Johnson. No, there was, n- there's never going to be another Calvin Johnson that ever lived. I'm sorry, but there's not. He was a different player, and we would we love to have one. Yeah, hell yeah, who wouldn't? But 
he was a breed of his own. But you need a large, big, physical wide receiver that can go out there and go over the top of these CBs and these safeties, take the ball and run with it. We have that in a couple of players that we have right now, but the inconsistencies are almost too much to bear, I guess, to a degree. So you have yeah. to really look at that from a, from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you know, that would be a, a great help to have somebody that's, you know, six, two, six, three, you know, 210, 220 pound wide receiver. That's fast and great with great hands that can go out there and just snag a ball and go with it and take people down with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but is there anyone for you, Mitch, anyone you can sort of think, think there that, um, in terms of wide receiver market, I mean, obviously you've had a lot of guys that have been like nabbed up now, um, just yeah. sort of on the free agency part. I think we're obviously we're leading to a draft in the second about some guys that are um, in there. Um, I think the I think it's a good thing you pointed out actually. I think other than Kelsey, you know, and like I say, he picks up a lot of stuff underneath, and obviously he's just a stud anyway, and obviously the size of him, obviously he's built, he's a tight end, you know. But you know, Tyreek's amazing, you know, but he's he but speed kills and stuff. But I think you're right. I mean. You look at examples around the league in terms of like bigger body guys. I mean, you sort of look at likes of younger guys like DK Metcalf, that, you know, sort of built up right. They're, they're just built in that type of frame, you know, built frame like a like Julio, like DK, like even um, AJ Brown. You know, you've got them type of guys. If you had like at least someone on the outside that can that can ball, it opens up your offense even more because that mm-hmm. means you've got to take another guy away. You've got Tyreek Hill killing you with your speed and then you've got the Kelsey who's the most reliable guy ever and not to, to mention uh, Edward Tolaire who out the backfield who can catch the ball as well so it, it, it could open up your offense a lot more so I think it like you say it does make sense to have that, that that's why that's the, the prototypical size for a reason it's not just because yes that's what is most likely to succeed but it could like open up teams more especially if you've got other weapons on that offense which you do you have you have weapons exactly exactly if Caleb has met a, well we, I have a friend of mine that played Years ago, uh, his name's J.J. Burton. Played nine years in the NFL. Very small guy. And he was actually, I call him the first Tyreek Hill because he was. Uh, J.J. was, what, 5'7", 157 pounds. And he was a track guy. He was a track star is what he was uh, at Oregon. But, you know, Marty Schottenheimer took a chance on him. And a couple other teams actually cut him prior to coming to the Chiefs. Um, But... We also had a huge wide receiver to complement JJ, but we didn't have a, a passing game back then. It was Marty ball was different than it is now. Marty was run the ball first down, second down, third down. And if you had three or four yards left, you might want to run it on fourth down too. Cause that's just how Marty looked at it. But when JJ was out there and you had a giant wide receiver on the other side, it always tend to help because you didn't know where they were going. And JJ was so damn fast. He was a four, three runner that caught everything everything that came his way and he never got hurt in the nine years he played in the nfl he never got hurt because of his size and he was very elusive and he had a sense kind of like tyreek does tyreek takes a lot more chances than most guys do i mean i seen him i remember in 2018 he went up for a ball tyreek did and came down on his head i mean straight on his head i i thought for sure he was going to be injured he stood up and started dancing you know, I mean, he caught the ball, stood up. I thought he was shaking his head because he was injured. Hell no, he was dancing. JJ never took those kind of chances, but he sensed when somebody was going to hit him. And back in those days, you had like <laughs> ignorant guys like Ronnie Lott that would take you and throw you 
across the field, step on your face and then spit on you. And then, you know, it was done. You know, that was the yeah. kind of stuff you had, you know, Steve Atwater, guys like that that didn't care about anybody but themselves. And they would probably run over their mom if they had the chance. And nowadays you can't get away with that kind of stuff, but it is what it is. We do need that big wide receiver, though. Yeah, I mean, if we, oh, if we sort of go into the draft then, I mean, I, for me personally, I've sort of, in my mock drafts, I've sort of been looking sort of offensive line for you. But I mean, what's your sort of prof, uh, preference at, in the draft? I think they should go ahead and possibly draft an offensive lineman first. The way the classes are loaded now, mm. typically the New Year's pass, wide receiver is going to be pretty pretty deep. Um, <clears throat> linebacker, DB. I mean, at this point, they just need to get some guys that can help. And I think most likely they're going to take an offensive lineman to settle the crowd because everyone's been frustrated with that. They're going to take offensive lineman in the first round. They're going to get a couple defensive pieces, a linebacker. It'd be nice to get another cornerback, I say a wide receiver. And, I mean, from that point on, one thing I know about Beach, he's going to find another need that the Chiefs will probably need because we don't know if someone could get injured in training camp. I mean, just a lot of different things that could possibly happen. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know – they're, from what I'm understanding, they are definitely going to go after offensive, you know, offensive linemen in the first yeah. round, unless, unless something just phenomenal falls in their lap. That's what they're going to go mm-hmm. after. Um, but that's what they're leaning towards. And I and Caleb is 100% right. They're they are looking at wide receivers. Um, they're definitely looking at a corner. They're looking at a safety. So, <clears throat> but Veach is very calculated when it comes to the draft. And we have talked about this numerous times. Your your best assets aren't in the first round most of the time. Mm. Your best assets are in the third, fourth, fifth round. Those are the guys that are hungry. Your undrafted guys and your guys that are coming late in the rounds, those are the guys that are the most hungry and want to. Pr- they have everything to prove. The guys in the first round, namely quarterbacks, usually, thank God Patrick Mahomes wasn't that guy, but most of the time, they got a chip on their shoulder the size of a rock, and they think they're, they're all Baker Mayfields. They all think that they have this ability that they don't have, or they may be able to step into the NFL and automatically trans, you know, transcend, yeah. from, uh, transcend from college to the NFL, and it doesn't happen that way. Mahomes was a generational talent that just was able to do that. But, again, he had – a quarterback guru for a head coach. And he had Alex Smith, which is one of the best teachers you could ever ask for that helped him in every aspect to help him grow and, 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 and mature into who he is. And he's already a humble guy. Anyway, his dad is a very humble guy. So it's, it's, it, that was a very, a big, a big stepping stone for him, but you go after the guys that are hungry and that are, ready to come out and prove themselves, not the guys that think they've already done it. And that's where I think Veach sees the difference. And Caleb will tell you this. We've done this how many times, Caleb, over the last three years that we picked up a six-round, fourth-round pick uh, that have turned has turned out – look at Snead. What is Sneed Fenton. Yeah. yeah. Fenton. These guys come out of the fourth, fifth round, and they're superstars. There's a yeah. reason why. You know, it's not just because their athletic ability is so good football IQ is so high it's because they have so much to prove as well because they did come so high in the draft you know they they you know it's it there's a mentality that comes along with that 
And when you talk to a lot of these players that did come out of that draft, you know, or out of the draft in a higher rounds like that, that's how they look at it. They're humbled, number one, because, they, you know, they, they came out of the fourth, fifth round, sixth round, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And then they have something to prove. And they come out and they prove it. So... That's yeah, I mean, I think that's where teams really win, isn't it? Finding that value in the full fifth round, like guys like you say with good attitudes that really want to, you know, succeed. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. A lot of guys are chasing the money and a lot of guys are chasing the dream. And if you can chase the dream first, the money will come. But yeah. you have to chase the dream first. That's mm. just it. And if you're going to chase the money right off the bat, you're screwed you're fucking screwed. It just is what yeah. it is. I'm sorry, but it's a, you you've seen it time and time again with these first round draft pick quarterbacks, Ryan Leaf and all these guys that came out years ago mm-hmm. that fell flat on their ass and then they're out robbing some lady's house for pain pills or doing dumb shit and out of the league because they got these fat ass contra- these signing bonuses and then they suck afterwards because of it. You know, it, I mean just just take as I Wilson from last season as a as an example like you know, he's already out of the league in a year, you know. He's, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's already it, been to two teams and can't now get a job. So, yeah. And who was the kid, Caleb, uh, the quarterback that ended up on the practice squad? This came out as a starter and ended up at the practice oh, squad. Josh Rosen. He got Josh by Rosen. Two, Rosen. Different, yeah. two different teams. And now he's on his, like his fourth, pre- fourth team. Mm. And he's on the Cardinals practice squad. No, not the court. Oh, the uh, 49ers. 49ers practice squad. Yeah. yeah. 49ers practice squad. And, and it's what? It's fourth team in three years. And mm. he's on a practice squad. Yeah. So it just shows it tells you, you everything. Change. Yeah. Yeah. So. It does. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you sort of more fans then of sort of like trading back and sort of picking up more picks in the later rounds then? Or I, I would rather do that. I mean, I, that's just my opinion. What do you think, mm. Caleb? Um, well, when it comes to that, I don't mind kind of where they're picking. Every draft I've seen Beach take part of so far, he's traded up at least one. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does that again. Yeah. Because that's where we got McCole Harmon. That's where we were able to get uh, Fenton. Uh, not Fenton. Um, what, what's his name? I, no, it wasn't Fenton. That's where they got Sneed. I mean, when they trade up, yeah. they get these guys they knew they could get. So, I mean, it honestly, it got, they're watching that draft board, looking at the picks. They're trying to figure out needs of their team, looking at needs of other teams, trying to figure it out. And if yeah. something's there, they're going to jump and get it. If not, sometimes we've seen them. I mean, well, they'll trade back. I mean, they traded back into the draft last year to get into the seventh round, I think, in order to get, uh, I think his name was Bo Keys. And he got yeah, to play Bo some. Keith. Yeah. He got to that's play right. some and he wasn't bad. But, I mean, hey, that's another dish you could probably have in the next year or so work out. And they think, and honestly, yeah. they've got a lot of good, um, talking about Bo Keys, he's got some really good, um, I guess, reviews, if you want to consider it that, from the mm. team themselves. They really have a lot of faith in him. And they – they really want to keep him around for that reason. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that, again, like Caleb said, they will go backwards in the draft because Veach sees things that a lot of people don't see. Uh, we've talked about this on the show. This guy goes to high school football games. I mean, he actually right. travels to high school yeah. football games. And then he will follow these players through college. And he will watch. He calls these coaches after he does it and says, hey, send me film. I want to yeah. see film on this on this ninth grader. I want to see, and then he follows him each year after that. That's what he, this man does. Yeah. And that's crazy for a young GM that's that is so, that's straight up commitment. That's what that is. That is hardcore commitment to do something like that. I have never met a GM, and I've met a few of them, and I've been around them, especially one that was with the Chiefs that was a complete and utter jack off. 
but uh, I've never met anybody that had so much commitment to players as Brett Beach. Never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen one, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Good so, I mean, if you, if you draft well, and like you say, if you draft well and he's, he's obviously putting the time in and the commitment into doing that, like you're, you're going to be successful as a GM if you draft well, simple as that. Really. Exactly. I mean, you've got to look after your cap, but that's, you know, that's, Immaterial after you've actually picked the guys. If you pick the right guys on cheap rookie deals, you're laughing, aren't you? Exactly. I mean, you got guys for four years that you got, you know, out of the fourth, fifth, sixth round that mm. are already super, you know, you made, and you've got coaches that can turn them into stars. And then they're going to want to stick around with you anyway because you've made them who they are. Yep. What, what yep. do you got to lose? You know, what yeah. do you have to lose by doing that? Nothing. You got nothing to no. lose. So, exactly. and the way he structured these contracts, Caleb and I, you know, we, we, a while back, uh, Trey Boston and I, when they signed, when Mahomes signed his contract, everybody lost their minds, dude. It was insane. <laughs> they lost their minds. What the freak was he thinking about a 10 year contract? Is he on crack? I mean, they said everything under the sun. Brett Veach has lost his mind. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. What a dumb son of a bitch. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that they said about this guy. And then Trey Boston and I went back and forth on Twitter and it's like, dude, you don't understand that 10 year contract gives us leverage for every yeah. other player that we want to sign mm -hmm. for the next 10 fucking years. It, what it is works. wrong with you? I mean, really that contract is designed to move money around. And if that's yeah. perfect for this time, it's insane. So, I mean, that's why I mean, we just extended and it will. That's why we extended Kelsey for six more years. Why do you think yeah. we just extended Kelsey for six more years mm -hmm. or how we could have extended Kelsey for six more years? Yeah, you know, I mean, we I mean, went through the contracts. Obviously, there's a big number for a 10-year contract. We went through it, and like the way the guaranteed money stacked up a bit further down, there's not that much, so you can push it back if you need to. You know, yeah, like you can move it around any way you want. Exactly, mm. you can move it around any way you want to move it. Whether it's bonuses, whether it's incentives, whether it's you can backload it. You can do whatever yeah. you want to do with that contract <laughs> to keep whoever yeah. you want for the next 10 years and be okay with it. Yeah. So who cares? You know, who unless he comes in, uh, unless he demands a trade like a few have done this year, and you've got 100 mil dead cap. But I mean, that's what happened, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a, a point to touch on. I'll touch on a couple things before we go into our way early predictions for you guys. But like, I think just a quick one just prior on the draft. I think the, the, the positions, funny enough, funny enough that I noted down, um, and the guys that you suggested, you know, wide receiver, tackle, and you know, in the second corner. There's depth there in this draft, by the way. So the fact is, even if you guys decide to try about even from 31, um, there's a lot of guys this year. Like, like you say, Brett, you, you find gems in the later rounds. He's proven he has. He could find some more this year, like 100%. That it's quite a deep draft this year in terms of certain positioning groups. So you're absolutely fine on that front. And just to point out, like I say, you've got these people that were, like you said, that were to go in like, oh shit, like, you know, this contract's like unbelievable. It's like a baseball contract, you know, like not, we haven't seen this like ever in the leagues. Obviously NFL bases it different on their contracts, but not being funny with what he's produced in what was it? He, I think it was the three years he done and then they gave him that extension. You might have to correct me if I'm wrong there, but like, it's an absolute no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you want to extend a guy who is this special prodigy? He is the next big, big thing. And he is, he's proven it. It's not even like a debate. If, there's, if you're debating it, excuse my French, you're a fucking idiot because he is, like, unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah. he is unbelievable. Like, I've watched yeah. game, I'm like, how the fuck do you do this stuff? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, he is, yeah. he has turned people's heads. 
And that is the key yeah. there. And, and, and a 10-year contract, like you say, it gives leverage. And Patrick's not stupid. Patrick, like you say, is a very humble guy. And he wants this team to win championships. And he knows he's, he's not going to do that on his own. You know, He's so, going to get his money no matter what, man. Of course he That's is. the difference. Yeah. And that's where a lot of these players – and Caleb, Caleb will tell you this. That's where a lot of these players fall on their ass. They automat- They want the money right now, right now, right now. No matter what, he's going to get paid. Okay, whether it's now, five years from now, he's making enough, he's making more money in endorsements because <laughs> than most players make in their career in the NFL. And he's making it just in endorsements in three years or two years, because I take that back. His first year he refused to take an endorsement because he wanted to prove himself first. That's how humble that kid is. Yeah. I mean, so, just, just one example of someone that's taken him. I mean, Zach Prescott, I think he's just screwed the Cowboys going forward. I mean, this, this contract that he's taken is not team-friendly at all. And I don't see why players do it, why they don't, why they sort of hamstring themselves from winning Super Bowls and stuff with these big money contracts. Sometimes it's arrogance. I don't know. Okay, I think Dak has – I was actually – me and Caleb both thought he was done. Oh, I, did I didn't not, think he was done. I no, thought, I thought he was done in Dallas. I mean, oh yeah, we yeah, thought yeah, he was I, done in Dallas. Yeah, sure. I didn't think he was going back, and neither did Caleb. So I was, no. I'm kind of surprised. But I whatever, was in the know. same boat as you guys. Just a quick before you go on, I, I was on that. I was on that train. I was like, I don't know. Like it just seemed a bit like he's cornering Jerry. I know Jerry's played guys and stuff, but you know, you're like, because he was like, he wanted Mahomes' money basically, and I'm like, I like that. I think he gives Cowboys some different dimension. He's got better every season. You know, you can't deny that. I'll give him credit. You know, I'm not, you know, on that front. And I haven't, I've never been off a million dollar contract. You know what I mean? So I don't know what I'm negotiating, but, and obviously you want to get paid, of course. And I get that. And the way the quarterback market is, but it's also a case of as well, like he was like, Oh, I want my home's money. I'm like, why? He hasn't You're done not, anything. You haven't, you, you haven't, haven't done, done anything. Yeah, exactly. You haven't done anything yet. Like Patrick Mahomes got his money. Cause he, Went to a championship game in his second year, got MVP, won a Super Bowl next year, and then got to Super Bowl next year. So, like, it's just, you can't, like, demand all this money. He broke records. You know, you make an excellent thing. point. They will get the money eventually, you know, they'll get it. Yeah. If it's... Well, Caleb, it did frustrate me. It did frustrate how many, me. Disappoint how, many, how many games in 2018 did Patrick Mahomes break at least one record? How many games? I think every game he about, about broke a record. And Dak, I think they won one playoff game. And Patrick Mahomes took them all the way to the AFC Championship game. I mean, it just shows you Dak is a great player, yes. yes. But the issue is that he was winning $35, $40 million per season when he only had one playoff win. I understand he did bring the Cowboys back. But it shows that, in a way, he kind of needed Ezekiel Elliott more than what we thought. But yeah. plus that whole dynamic with the Cowboys, Jerry Jones wanted to be the head coach. He wants to be the GM. He wants he wants to be everything. And that's not how an organization is able to function at the end of the day. They have to hire people that know what they're doing. You can't hire yes-men coaches. I like Mike McCarthy. But basically, Jerry's just telling him kind of what to do in certain instances. And I just hope they can come back to relevancy because the only way – to watch Cowboys Super Bowl highlights is on VHS tape. It's true, and, I, <laughs> it's and that's true, no yeah. bullshit either. <laughs> that it's was true. That was that was a straight up yeah. fucking zinger. But um, <laughs> that was so true. It's pathetic. But um, and and Caleb is a hundred percent right. You Jerry Jones is a dick. But regardless, you can't expect Jerry Jones wants to be the GM, the head coach, the owner, while he's sitting on a yacht, 
running draft picks and telling everybody what to do. And all he wants to do is have yes men. He had Jared, uh, Jason Garrett, which is a horrid coach. And I mean, guy can't coach himself out of a car, but yet he was there for all those years. I don't understand it. I, and, and Caleb is right. It's because every time Jerry said, wipe my ass for me, he said, yes, sir. And yeah. when you have somebody like that, that's all Jerry wants. That's all he's ever wanted. Dak wanted $40 million a year. That was his first demand for five years. And Jerry said, hell no, I'm not giving you that. And then it went down to $35 million. And then it w- then he got injured, and he held out, and he got injured. And now he signed this contract. I don't know the exact numbers, but it was pretty big. 160 for four years. Oh, wow. Believe, so. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. But there's some there's – some, there's it's just not overly and, friendly either. It's not like it's not spread out right when I looked at it as well. So, well, yeah. it's not spread out, but there is some. I think if you look at that contract in detail, I think there are some performance clauses in there, right. some playoff clauses in there, things that he's going to lose a lot of money if he yeah. doesn't make it. And yeah. Jerry is going to make sure, I can promise you, that he doesn't get part of that money because Jerry does not. Back in the day, I remember specifically him handing, he was $36 million over the salary cap. He gave Deion Sanders $36 million out of his personal bank account to sign him. Mm. I'll never forget that as long as I live. That was Jerry Jones back in the day. Now Jerry Jones says, well, you were a draft pick. You won us one playoff game. You do this weird fucking dance on the field when you're warming up. And you really haven't proven a whole lot. So when you can actually get us somewhere, maybe I'll pay you. Mm. And Dak wants more money. I get he wants more money. And he's gotten and, – and one thing that Caleb just touched on that really resonates with me, and it has since it happened, when Elliot got injured – or no, I'm sorry, when he got suspended for those eight games, Dak fell on his ass. Yeah. But he had two capable, very capable backup running backs that knew the system, but he still couldn't win. And if you have to have one guy standing behind you, like a thumb sucker, to help you win games, that doesn't help your case to get a $40 million a year contract. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. And it wouldn't help you with, no matter what team you were with, unless you were in San Francisco, they're going to sign some guy that just came off an injury-riddled season and give him a $50 million guarantee at 33 years old. Everybody bitched at us, and I was getting DMs going, why the fuck didn't we sign Trent Williams? It was, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you people? Are you stupid? Is Veach a dumb son of a bitch? He's failed. He has failed this franchise. Why? How did he fail the franchise? He didn't sign a guy that may not make it through five games and is 33 years old, and we're going to give up $80 million? Yeah, record left, record left tackle. And let me yeah. tell you something. Caleb will tell you this. I got to call it 12 – no. Was it 12.45 or 3 o'clock in the morning? I can't remember now my time. And it said, we're pinned to paper with Trent Williams right now. And I went, should I announce it? And they said, not yet, because San Francisco's saying something. They're they're swooping right. in. And it was a $10 million difference in a signing and a guarantee. That's what kept him in San Francisco. Wow. Beach went out on a limb that I, neither one of us, me and Caleb, were like, are you fucking kidding? This we is didn't expect him to do that. We Never in a million thought. years did we expect him to do something like that. A 33 yeah. year old. We got rid of all of our players that were 30 plus over the last three years. Yet. Well, that's you that's know. the thing. You should have had this refresh and got rid of the older guys. Yeah. yeah why would we? Right? You know, why would we want to yeah. sign another guy that potentially is going to last three years or three mm. games and sign him to a four year contract? 
why would you do that? You know, yeah. and everybody was pissed because of his name. A name doesn't mean shit yeah. if you can't play anymore. You know, it just doesn't. So I would much I mean, rather have a yeah. guy that named Bob Slinger that came out of freaking, you know, some <laughs> obscure school in the middle of nowhere that has fresh mm. legs and can still mm. play versus a 33 year old guy that can't play for $80 million. I'm sorry, but I would. Yeah. You know? I think, uh, yeah, Trent Williams... You know, staying yeah. healthy is just so important as well in the league. Exactly. You know? I mean, especially with the extra game being added now. And, you know, yeah. it's going to make... It and that was, the, I mean, that was something we didn't expect either. I mean... No. That was that was unexpected. We were told mm. that that wasn't going to happen this year. And then all of a sudden they decided to do it because of revenue reasons. But... Mm. Yeah. We yeah, think... I mean, money. we're quite happy about it because it's... Um, they've made it the international game. So they're, they're playing... Every team's going to play internationally every, like... You know, within eight years, so that's good. We will that's get a chance good. to yeah. have the Falcons over here at some point. So, yeah. worked out for us. But here's the only problem with that: we talked to some guys from Fox. We have a good friend mm. that's with Fox um, Sports, mm. uh, Harold Kuntz. It based and in Kansas City. He's based in Kansas City, and mm. he said the same thing. And we agree with them too. You got a 17 game schedule, but you got one bye week. Yeah, one yeah. bye week. That's difficult. I mean. That is very difficult on these players. It's you're putting a lot more stress and a lot more. They're a lot more injury prone now, and they're only yeah. getting one bye week. So they're playing an extra game. Their contracts aren't changing. They're not getting anything extra for that game, other than maybe an injury. Yeah. And you're putting your all your star players in a in a in a in a, a potentially dangerous position, and you still give them one bye week. And I, I think that's going to last one season, and I think after that you're going to see a change really quick. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think it makes I mean, yeah. No, you touched upon yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that that makes sense. I mean, they've they're taken off the one or two playoff games. But, I mean, they don't exactly play playoff games. Do they? Uh, not playoff. Sorry, preseason. I'm talking. Sorry, um, but they don't really play at full pace in preseason games anyway, do they? So I mean, exactly. Really, you know, yeah, it's not going to affect them because they don't really play it anyway. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's only going to affect the teams that go to the playoffs, really, anyway, isn't it? I mean, teams that don't make the playoffs. Are, you know, it's like them playing one playoff game, isn't it? Extra. So I don't think it's going to have a massive effect on them sort of teams. But it's the teams that go the distance that are putting that extra, you know, stress. Pass interference. Defense. Spot of the foul. I mean, if we touch upon like next season and your sort of prediction, I mean, we sort of know what this Chiefs lineup's going to look like. You probably had a few more pieces in the draft and stuff. But I mean, do you see yourselves having this excellent season again? And, you know, Certainly, sort of favorites to win the division. I mean, what sort of records do you see yourselves having? I think they could go 14 and 2, 13, 3 again. I really believe in my heart that they can go back to the Super Bowl, and I think they have a really good chance to win it. The AFC, yes, has gotten better with the Patriots. The Bills have added more weapons, but I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs will just somehow figure out a way and, and win, win the game. Now, going to the Super Bowl, I don't know what's going to happen on the NFC side per se because of all the different teams and everything that's going to happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Falcons could have one crazy year. I mean, you guys are due for one, like you guys have been telling us. And I hope that can happen. <laughs> but what I do feel like is that they do have a chance to go ahead and go to the Super Bowl, and I think they can win it. That's why I really do believe. Bearing injuries. Bearing any crucial injuries, though. Yeah. yeah, if, you, yeah. if you take away any major injuries, I think – I mean, I, I think I've said this numerous times that we're going to go back this year. And, I, and I, I mean, my NFC prediction, honestly, man – and it's going to sound pretty shitty and nothing against the Falcons at all. Cause I really like that team, but um, it sucks. But I think the Rams, I think yeah. that change is going to yeah. make, 
you got the number one beast defense in the league, and that change, that quarterback change is going to make a huge difference in that team. Yeah. I mean, they, they were stagnant with Goff. They were. He is not yeah. what everybody thought he was going to be. He had one really good season, and then yeah. that was it, you know? Yeah. And that's the problem with Goff. Is he was very arrogant, and he still is. I think maybe this Detroit thing might help him a little bit, but yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I can't see Detroit winning the game. I mean, if they they didn't win many with Stafford last year, and now they've got mm, Goff, I mean, yeah. what's he going to do? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but I, I don't know that. You know, in fact, mm. I don't know if you remember during the Rams Chiefs game when Andy was talking to the refs about a play during that Monday night game. Uh, it was the best known Monday night game ever, apparently ever played. Oh yeah, it was like yeah, 50, 50 pointers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was a good game. Yeah, though. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goff just walked up to Andy and the referees on Andy's side like he was going to sit there and have a conversation with the refs and Andy. And Andy said, get the fuck back across the field with your own damn team. Get the hell out of here, you know? And I've never seen Andy really do that before, but he ripped into his ass. Yeah, he, like, he's been getting mad lately. We've never yeah. seen Andy get mad. But, hey, he, he sticks up for his players, and he makes sure to make, make sure he makes sure that they're well taken care of because something like that, he's the one that to happen. Yeah, man. I mean, it, you know, golf is arrogant and he had, he really had no reason to be, I mean, he just, he didn't, yeah. he, he's a system quarterback and I don't need, I can't even say he's a great system quarterback. He's, <laughs> he's the great. system quarterback, you know I mean? It just is mm-hmm. what it is. You know, it, it, there's a lot of system quarterbacks out there that want to be great. And then you got some great quarterbacks out there that are stuck in shitty systems. And mm-hmm. that's the hard part with this league, you know? <clears throat> So, yeah, no, that's yeah. true. I think, um, yeah, I mean, easy from my standpoint. I mean, I think Keg's probably got the same opinion, obviously. The AFC, I think we touched upon, you know, I think we've been covering every team. And there's, there's some good teams in the AFC. Like, I think that's a good thing you touch upon them. I mean, like you say, I think the Chiefs, and like, I mean, put it this way, ultimately, who am I betting on? Of course, I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, I've just expressed how I feel about him. And obviously, everyone does, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, guy, is, the guy is your you know, Thanos, you know what I mean? He is just what he is in terms of what he can do for this team. It's easily, like I say, you, sometimes you did look unbeatable and it's very true. I even looked and then obviously, what, you'll correct me on the stat, what was it? I think it was like 26 wins out of, out of 28 or 27, something yeah, like that for the past two right. years. Something something ridiculous, you know? that, And that just yeah. shows you like, wow, this team just does look unbeatable. Obviously, like I say, Super Bowl, whatever it's in the past, obviously you had the line issues, you know, that, 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 that ha- you know, it happens, that's it. But you have that point of where, yeah, 13 wins just sounds about right to me. I mean, don't be wrong. I think, I think the Chargers are probably the most improved uh, team in your division. Obviously, Justin Herbert does look like he's going to be, I mean, obviously it's only his rookie year, but from the signs, he does look like a, a gunslinger. Like, you know, I was very impressed by watching some of his games this year. Um, they've obviously uh, brought up some offensive line. Uh, players to bring in obviously just sign Corey Lindsay's a big deal you know so obviously they're, they're they're building their future around him so I think maybe in a year or two it could be interesting but you're still the you're still the favorites for the division and to be honest um as much as I, I, I say obviously when that championship game last year I thought Buffalo would have gave I thought it was gonna be a really good game a high scoring game and you and you dismantled them really you yeah. know so unless they really sort that out a little bit which could be a, it could be the same um championship game I could easily see that Chiefs and the Bills um, to be perfectly honest, I think the Bills are the, probably the closest second best team in the AFC. Maybe it's it's maybe it's arguable, arguable. Sorry, but I I, I think so. And um, but yeah, 
you, Super Bowl or bust, I feel like that's the way you're going now with every season. Like It seems like that is the way it, it could be now. You know, with, if Mahomes keeps playing at the level he plays and the coaching and nothing changes in terms of coaching and, you know, you're adding pieces, I don't see why not. You know, you guys are, you guys are hard to beat. You are hard to beat. Yeah. So. The one thing I would say, though, when I say this to Chiefs fans all the time on our podcast, just take it one week at a time and enjoy yeah. it because you don't want to basically be complaining the whole season because that's what happened. We were winning, but people were still complaining. And then look what happened. They lost Super Bowl. Take it week by week. Don't you you can shoot for the moon and lay on the stars, but sometimes that star isn't going to hold you. Well, you need to take it week by week to make sure that you're analyzing team and knowing what's going on. Because when you do that, they're going to put things into perspective more. That's not saying playing ahead though is not bad. Yeah, he's 100% right. And we and, and believe me, in Chiefs Kingdom, we have a lot of couch GMs. We have a lot of couch <laughs> yes. coaches. And believe me when I tell you, we I get it, he gets it, we get it. It's miserable sometimes because we get these unbelievable questions and, and things that are said to us like, we went over it on our show last week and the week before about, you know, Veach is a horrible GM. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's failed the franchise because he didn't draft certain or he didn't go after these players in free agency week. One guy even said that he had a horrible free uh, a draft a draft season last year. And in reality, it was one of his best ever. I mean, we picked up some of the best players that we've ever had out of the draft last year it was one of our best draft seasons and it's like what the fuck are you talking about we got willie gay we got sneed you know sneed's arguably one of the best corners in the league and i think he got some record i don't remember what record it was for this year and and he was injured five games it's like what the hell are you people talking about yeah. we just I went to back to back there's so many worse situations out there than yours exactly. yeah. so. there's teams who haven't t- won games in a long time or struggling. i told him me and Caleb tell them all the time, you could be a Browns fan. You could be a Browns fan. You could be a Jets fan. What would you, you rather be? A be? You know, I mean, come on. Yeah, so, exactly. I don't know. And I think the best thing you've touched upon is enjoy it while you can. And that's, that's not saying, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we're all in agreement that hopefully, I think unless something bar anything badly happens to Patrick Mahomes or a few other players, like you guys um, are always going to have this window. You know, it's quite, it's quite a special thing you're building. You know, you've got this, it is, it could be a good dynasty. I mean, an amazing dynasty. Like it's got the potential, but I think the best thing to point out is nothing lasts forever. I mean, I mean, you look at sort of obviously prime example, it's happened to a lot of teams. Obviously you look at ours, for example, obviously we should have, obviously the Super Bowl collapse next year, we got in the playoffs and I only just sort of got through that, won a game. And then sort of on that point on, we were expecting this team just to be a playoff team most years. And then we're like picking at the bottom of the draft, you know, so it can easily be taken away from you. The good times can go away very quickly as, as quick as they, they can. can bounce forward. So I agree they with you 100% can. on that one. I mean, what do you think Kay, in terms of their record? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, I think that, you know, they're, the, they're obviously the favorites for the AFC. And I think that the, I, I do like the Bills. I think, you know, Josh Allen have a mega season this year, but I, I still think, you know, the Chiefs would probably be the AFC team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Caleb would probably agree with me. The Bills have the potential. I don't know if, I don't know if they're making enough changes mm. this year to make a difference. 
so far they I think they feel like they've got everything they really need. They've I think they've done a few moves in free agency, but nothing substantial to yeah make that that leap. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I do agree with you as far as the Chargers are concerned. And we believe me, we laugh every year. Caleb and I laugh every year on the show. We laugh every year on our pages because it's the same crap. Oh God, this is the year for the Chargers. They're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to beat the AFC every, every single year. We're not even joking. Lee, every single year they will pick the Chargers or the Raiders. They say they're a better team than the Chiefs. But when you look at both rosters, you're like, uh, okay. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And it, it's, I don't know if you guys seen Good Morning Football. We're not going to go on the tangent there, but they, they're one. I forgot who it is, but one of them always does that. But I'm not going to touch Adams. it. Kay Adams. She went after us every year. Every year she picked the Chargers, and then and then you know who else did it was that what's that guy's name from St. Louis, Caleb? That I talked to on Twitter a few times. Uh, it's not Peter Schreg. It's the other guy. No, I don't know. Kyle Brandt. No, Reich. That that oh, Reich oh. guy. Um, God, I can't think of his name. He's from St. Louis. He's actually a baseball guy, but he's oh. always on uh, NFL Network, and he's always saying for two straight years he said the Chargers are going to be the number one team. They're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to beat the Chiefs, and then. It was kind of comical because that year, I think it was 2018, might have been 19, I can't remember. Um, it was last year Rivers was there. He was all he did the whole entire season, entire season. Do not sleep on my Chargers. I promise you, the Chargers are going to do this. They're going to be. They are going to be. They're going to win the AFC West. They're going to do this. Gonna, so at the end, when they got their asses kicked and they didn't make the playoffs, <laughs> I went on to his page and I said, "So, um, what happened to them Chargers years?" <laughs> and all he put back was they lost and I, said, I know but you said that they were going to win last year the year before and the year before that and this yeah. year and they're still not in the playoffs so i'm just curious what happened because you know you're up close and personal and he wouldn't you know he finally replied back yeah they lost that was the extent of it and then he said i'm a baseball guy anyway because he is a baseball guy. Uh, yeah. but they'll take all the credit for it but. yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah. and then you know and then when you go and like you talk to other guys like that that are national analysts like kurt warner is very very um how should i say this he's very practical and he's interacted with me numerous times on twitter and he'll say yeah you know like when he does his top five quarterbacks of the week and like he left mahomes at number five one time and Mahomes had a phenomenal game. It was insane. He threw for like 400 and some odd yards, five touchdowns, no picks. It was stupid. You know, it was like one of the insane games. And he was like number four or five. He had Russell Wilson higher than him. And Russell Wilson had a 200 and some odd yard game. So I asked Warner, I said, so wait a minute. You put Mahomes at five and you got Wilson at four or three? And he goes, yeah, man, I don't know what I was thinking. He said, I made a huge mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He's just practical about it. You know, He's yeah, not. Yeah. You know, so it's he, he I think Warner's differences and and from what he's kind of told me is that he he doesn't want to leave anybody out. So if somebody has a really good game that may have had a really shitty week the week before or maybe a couple of weeks. He yeah. wants to make sure that they're known that they had a good game. You know what I mean? Yeah, they bounce back and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, when, when Mahomes is just doing it every week as well, he sort of. You don't well, that's sort of it. talk yeah. about it as much, do you? Because it's like, oh, he did, you know, he's been doing it every week. So, well, and that's what I said. I said, wait a minute. We were the guys that the only time we were ever talked about was when we were on Inside the NFL, and Lynn Dawson was the only one that brought us up. And we had a 30, maybe a 13 second skit. Oh, the Chiefs won. Let's go on to the Cowboys. Yeah, basically. We, we were never talked about. And mm -hmm. then now that we're 
this team that, you know, everybody should be talking about. Nobody wants to really talk about it unless it's negative. It it's just like, shows there's a media switch. You exactly. should not talk about the Chiefs unless they lost in the playoffs or something were to happen. And then now you go. We're being on every every show, undisputed first take, NFL Network, NFL. Yep. I mean everything. I mean it just shows even, you kind of even Skip Bayless. I mean you know that guy is flip flops more than anybody. I call him Scarf Baywatch. He's such a weird son of a bitch. But um. <laughs> I, and he's I, Cowboys fan, so it says about. And that tells you everything. But he, you know, at one more, at one point, him and 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 Shannon are hilarious because Shannon just rips him because he loves Patrick Mahomes, absolutely loves him, and he calls him my, you know, Patrick Mahomey because he says he will take everybody down, and Skip says, you know what, he's overrated. He's not going to beat my boy Dak. Blah blah blah. He's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. And then all of a sudden, Skip says, you're right. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Nobody can touch him. And God forbid, Mahomes, you know, we win by seven points. Well, I don't know. Now he's overrated. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's, you know, he's gotten full of himself. Skip is so, you know, he, all he is is a clickbait guy. You know, that's, yeah. he does it for clicks. That's it. You know, I think he that's wants the to... problem now, though, and it was like, that's, that's what their, their job is most, most of the time, is just to get a click on their article. Yeah. You that's know, really drive it. as many yeah. people as you can with, you know, like, controversial topic isn't it i mean that's the problem mm, yeah and yeah. we've we've seen that how many times have we seen that caleb when we were building our brand it was like you know you got guys out there that are got 50 60 000 followers because they're calling fans stupid ass and arguing with them mm. and doing all that stuff and that's something we don't do we're very professional about what we do and 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 it's funny because some of the guys within our group will, they'll they'll text me and they'll say hey go after this guy for me because i go after him in a different way I will go after them and I'll do it in the nicest way to make them look so stupid. ignorant and yeah. so stupid. And I do it purposely because I don't want to be that jack off, but in the same aspect, I want them to feel like a jack off. So yeah. I will do that purposely because I don't want the brand to look bad, but I want the person that's saying this stupid shit to look bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And make yeah. them like, Oh God, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm sitting there saying this dumb shit and he's actually right. Or they're actually right. So I just did it. In fact, last night, some guy was hammering about um, about one of our players. I don't remember who it was. Um, the guy just went after us. No, it was uh, Brashad Breeland. Because I put out the question, do you think we should bring back Brashad Breeland? Mm. And this guy says, no, he's not worth the money. And I said, can I ask why? And he gave me some lame excuse. I don't remember what it was. And I put his stats together. I actually texted Brandon, our stats guy. And I said, hey, man, give me his stats because I don't know them right off the top of my head. Brandon's like a guru. This guy can spit stats out in his sleep. I mean, he's that good. <laughs> and so I texted him, I said, give me the stats because I'm going to make this guy look like a clown, but I'm going to do it in a nice way. And he said, please tag me in it because I hate that guy. And I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> so I did. And I tagged him in it. And I made the guy look really dumb, you know, really mm -hmm. quick. And he kind of just left it at that. And he left us alone after that because he was just writing us like none other. Rashad Breeland has been a very solid player. People yeah. want to complain about him because he's had some penalties. Yeah. That's part of being like, a cornerback. You know, that's the thing. If someone's got an opinion about a player, they've got to at least sort of, it's fair enough to have the opinion, but you've got to at least back it up with some yeah. facts and some stats and yeah. you know, yeah. not just oh he's crap, you know, not not yeah. just yeah. A lot of people just go off a one game sample size. I'm like, yeah, you gotta give it time. You not Rome wasn't building a day, the pyramids weren't building a day. Give it time. Exactly. Exactly. And and Breland's been a very solid player for us. People don't realize him. He's had four picks in two years. He's he doesn't let a lot get by him. Yeah, he's had some penalties, but as we have said, cornerbacks have told us this. That is the hardest position 
other players that don't play that position will tell you in today's day and age, that is the hardest position to play. You're watching the quarterback size. You're watching the run, the wide receiver, the running back. You don't know if you're getting any help over the top. God forbid a referee sees you get even near a player. He got called for a, a pass interference last year when he tripped and fell down and his hand touched the guy's foot. <laughs> and the ball was overthrown by 40 yards. And he still got the pass interference yeah. call. So, I mean, it's like you, you can't win when you're a CB. And especially no, him don't. because he doesn't he doesn't take shit from anybody, whether it's a ref, a player, a coach. He doesn't take the bullshit. He's right. aggressive. And that's what you have to be if you want to win in this game. Yeah. That's just especially in that position. He's yeah. been He's very solid. Position where, you know, people see a player get beaten, you know, long or saying like once and they take that for the whole game. You know, it's, yeah. it's a yeah. tough position to play. It really is. Yeah, it is. It's very tough. I mean, you know, you, we had Marcus Peters. OK. And everybody like, and even Caleb liked Marcus Peters. Still I do. liked him, and he still does. I had an issue with him for two reasons. One, he was very immature. But number two, he got burned a lot, a lot more than he stopped. Yes, he was a ball yeah. hawk, and I will give him that. He intercepted balls like nobody's business. The guy was just a magnet, okay? Mm. But interceptions is not the only part of your job when you're a cornerback. And if you play that Ole bullshit and you don't want to tackle somebody, yeah. you're going to get burned. And that's what he did with us a lot. He, he got burned so much. And then when he went on to the Rams, he let, he, he got in fights with fans in the stands and he got burned a lot. Yeah. And then he was right. He went from like the number three cornerback to the number 20th cornerback. Almost ranked dead last at one point, and then now he went to the what did he go to the Ravens? I think it was, yeah, Ravens yeah, right now. He's having yeah. he got paid, he's not having a bad season, but I mean, he's just he's, not the same player in a way, he's not the same player anymore. And it's and I tell you why he's not the same player, and it's it's just my opinion, I may be wrong, but when he was with Sutton, our old defensive coordinator. Sutton allowed him to do and play however he wanted to play. He did not have to play the position the way it's meant to be played. Okay. He would, he'd be back 15 yards off the receiver and he would, his sole purpose in his mind was to intercept balls. It wasn't to stop anything. It was to intercept balls. Well, when, when that went away and he had to actually play the position the way it was supposed to be played, his numbers went down, his stats went down, his play went down, his frustration level went way up and his immaturity came way out even more than it was prior because he, he wasn't the same player that he used to be. And I think that's part of the reason why his numbers aren't nearly what they used to be. Yeah. Just, that's just no, that my opinion. I, you know, so. No, that's um, my sense. And obviously, yeah, I mean, you see him play for you guys as well. So it sort of makes sense to see. It's on the same as like a decline. Like I say, you see certain players, they do better elsewhere on that one. But I'm sure, like you say, I mean, you're not missing him now. So it's all, can't be too bad. Can't be too bad. Uh, no. On that note, guys, we'll um, we'll cap it off there. Uh, really appreciate you guys taking time to come out and speak to us. Like I say, we've been we've been going through a lot of episodes at the moment, and it's been a, it's been a it's been a grind getting all through. But it's been really really great to chat with you just today and talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, we thank really you. appreciate having us on, man. Thank you, you. Thank you. No problem at all, gents. 
Nice one, guys. So, listeners, so are we making sure to tag everything of JP and Caleb for uh, the Chiefs Focus? So, keep an eye out for that and for that episode to be out soon. And a couple more episodes of off season talk as well. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Take care, stay safe, and catch you next